One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. We're joined again today by former Mead boxer Seamus McDonough, who fought out of New York in the 1980s and early 90s. We've come to the stage where McDonough is closing in on a shot at Evander Holyfield, where a win will set up a $25 million payday next time out. Later in the episode, Seamus also talks about life after boxing, from the silver screen to the shoeshine business. We arrive at a big moment in your career, Seamus. Now you're 16. Yeah. One and one, uh, you yeah. fight Cecil Coffey at the sh- at the Showboat in Atlantic City. It's a it's a dangerous fight for you. It's one of the, it's one of your fights that's available on YouTube for anyone who wants to go out and watch it. It's action. It's action packed. Coffee's a dangerous guy. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, <clears throat> my manager Nick uh, said said that uh, Bob Goodman, who was the uh, matchmaker at Madison Square Garden. Uh, that they had a guy from uh, Louisiana. He's actually he's from he's from uh, Kentucky, actually Kentucky. But he was being trained by Murphy Griffith, the brother of five times world champion Emil Griffith, uh, in San Diego, uh, out of San Diego, and they were coming in to fight uh, some have some fights on the East Coast, and this this. Uh, Fighter named Cecil Coffey, who had a record, I think, of 19 2 and 1 or something like that, or 19 1 and 2, something like that, uh, with 18 knockouts. He basically knocked everybody out. And they said, uh, you know, uh, do you want to fight him? I was like, my first my first response was, why would I fight that guy, you know? And uh, so I said, let's see the tape. So we looked at the tape, and on the tape, I said, I can beat this guy, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, he put I could beat anybody on tape, and uh, um, I trained really hard for the fight. I just it was one of the fights that I, that I really knuckled down, trained a lot of running, and was in good shape. And uh, I remember before the fight, uh, we would take some B twelve, you know, because it's it's not illegal, right? it's just, it's a, a B vitamin, but it gives extra energy. And I took it, uh, and I had no guidance. Uh, I was giving it to myself, you know. I took, I took some B twelve. Uh, about an hour before the fight, and I felt so good. And but as the fight drew closer, it started waning in me. And I was going, "Geez, I don't feel as good now. I don't yeah. feel as good." I feel by the time the fight came along, I didn't wasn't feeling good at all. I was feeling bad. I was like, "Oh my god!" So I tried to take some more, didn't work. Got in the ring. I says, "I have to not. I I, I can't. You know." So I I was so always so. Uh, 
I wasn't confident that I could go the distance. The 10 round fight, main event uh, in the Harris Marina in Sandic City. And I said, I kind of have to knock this guy out in the first round. So I tried to knock him out in the first round. And I almost, almost did knock him out in the first round. I just, and this is a guy who had knocked everybody out, 19 or 19 guys. Uh, so uh, and by, then by the end of the first round, I thought I was exhausted. You know, even though I've been in great shape. Uh, so uh, I won the first round. I lost the second, third, fourth, fourth rounds. Uh, and then with uh, about 10 seconds to go in the fourth, fourth round, I noticed a trickle of blood coming down his eye. I thought, he's got a cut. And, and so for the fifth round, all my energy came back. So I, I hit him with, I think, 25 overhand rights in the fifth round. And uh, I was exhausted again, but I had the confidence of the cut. They came out for the sixth round. I was dancing around for the sixth round. I actually started uh, dancing around the ring. I never did that in my life. Dancing around the ring, he was trying to catch me. And uh, uh, with about 30 seconds going in, in, in the fifth, sixth round, we both threw left hooks, both connected. He went down for the first time he was ever knocked down in his life. And he had, uh, he had uh, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, he had... Uh, uh, he drew with, with Jose Robalta, who was a huge uh, uh, figure in, in the heavyweight division, and he beat Terry Armstrong. He beat two really good guys, you know. So um, he went down, and uh, as he went, and he went down, the referee started counting. As the, as the count was going on, like five, six, I heard the knock on the canvas from the time cube, meaning there's 10 seconds left. I was like, I got 10 seconds to get this guy. Mm. So, so I had about I had about eight or seven or eight seconds. So as soon as the referee said box again, and when the ten seconds were ten seconds were up, I rushed in, boom, 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 and then uh, with about with a second to go, the referee jumped in and stopped the fight. And uh, uh, so uh, that was that. That was Huge. that. Uh, yeah, referee yeah, Steve yeah. Smoger sadly died uh, last year. Actually, didn't he, Steve Smoger, at the age of seventy-two? I didn't even realize that. Uh, he he was, he yeah. was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that yeah. was, that was a massive win for you. Did you like, did you go crazy for celebrating in Atlantic city or did you have much of an entourage down or what was it? Well, you know, do you remember the celebrations? We, we had quite a crowd. I, I we would, we would sell out a couple, a couple of buses would, would carry people from, from, from New York, uh, down to the Atlantic city. It's a couple hour drive, drive down there. And uh, they'd all come down. A lot of my friends from school would come down, St. John's University, and all friends around the city. And, you know, friends from the horse and carriages, friends from the bars, <laughs> all would come down. You said you were, um, did you enjoy the kind of boxing scene of the New York 80s or East Coast 80s vibe? Like, I know, I see Kevin Kelly, who later fought, you know, Prince Nassim Hammond, had a great career himself. Kelly was on yeah. the bill for you in Atlantic City. But like looking at your early, early fights, you know, um, I'm seeing the likes of Iran Barkley, Buddy McGirt, Mark Breland, you know, on the cards that you're fighting on. Um, great names in boxing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Did you get I, to I know these guys? Did you... I, I didn't really get to know them, I, but we have we have uh, a, lot, a lot of uh, interactions. Mark Breland, when I won the Golden Gloves in, in New York uh, in the final, Mark was doing commentary with John Condon, uh, who was an old-time uh, Commentator from Madison Square Garden. He, he was on the Kevin Kelly uh, 
fought on five. We must have fought on five or six or seven or eight mm. cards together, me and Kevin Kelly. Uh, and everyone expects an Irish guy to walk out, and he's African American. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, when, yeah. He, when he fought Naz at the Garden as well, I think one of the English journalists said, "Oh well, Kevin Kelly, he's going to get the Irish crowd out." So Naz is facing that too, that pressure as well. But it was like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, trap. easy trap yeah. to fall into, you know. Totally, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was. Um, I actually, to be totally honest, in the in the fight with coffee, after about two or three rounds, I was t- I was losing, I was losing badly. I wanted to quit in the corner. I had the idea. I said, "Oh, I gotta." I, you know, I just, it just came over me. I just was, um, just wanted to quit, uh, but I just stuck it out, stuck it out, stuck it out, and I, and I thank God I was in great shape for that fight. I started bouncing around the ring like I was doing, and uh, but when I saw the trickle of blood, like I said, uh, the killer instinct came out of me, and and uh, I went for it. And uh, I just thank God I was in good shape, and I I, I could uh, I could uh, go toe to toe with him, and and uh, yeah. Some yeah. people say like they'd rather die than quit, but obviously you've made a sensible decision earlier in in your career to preserve your health, not signing with you know Customato and maybe yeah. based on headgear and stuff like that, you know, so you're looking after your long-term health. Other people say yeah. they would put their body on the line. They would die in the ring and yeah. quit. I know that in your career as well, you do, yeah. you do have a certain element of, of that macho pride a yeah. little bit as well. You know, it, it permeates, yeah. it comes through a little bit as well. You might stop me. The ref might pull me, but you're not going to stop. Yeah. Me. You're not going to put me down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when, when Holyfield's the last, in the fourth round, we both took left hooks, and uh, he connected better than me. And I went down, and uh, I was I was laying on the canvas. The first thought that hit me when I was laying there was, "Well, if I stay here, it'll all be over." <laughs> uh, but I couldn't stay there, and I climbed up the ropes. I was up at eight. If you look at the fight, the referee jumps in at eight to stop the fight. I was actually fine. I wasn't dizzy. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't lose consciousness. I was in I was in great shape. I was doing pretty okay too, and uh, but the referee jumped in to stop it, uh, which I you know I, I contested and I've spoken to many referees since and uh, many judges and many boxing people and they say it's that's illegal you know, and then some group of people a business I wanted to wanted to take them to court over I say ah forget about it you know what what, what difference is going to make you know after Holly after Cecil Coffee. Came back to the Felt Forum in New York. That was a bit of a home territory for you, wasn't it? It's like, what's yeah, the Felt Forum yeah. called now? It's like the Madison Square Garden Theater, or did he call it the Hulu Theater as well? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Something Tim like Adams that. Yeah. Yeah. fell in one August in um, August of 1989. Then in November of yeah. 1989, Michael Greer went the distance with Michael Greer. Tight, tight fight looking just by the, the scorecards there on BoxRec, 96, yeah. 94, 96, 95, 97, 93. So I'm sure... A tight fight and Greer yeah. is very experienced. Do you feel that that kind of opposition? Uh, maybe just tell us about the fights, your memories of the fights. Like um, you're probably reaching your kind of your prime at this stage as well, are you? Yeah. Oh, I was. Yeah, I was uh, 27, 28, uh, 26 actually. I I always go back to it. I didn't have a trainer. I didn't have a trainer. There was no progress. I mean, I was I was uh, uh, I was learning a bit. Uh, I was sparring. I got some very good sparring. I, I was actually sparring up in the, the castles with the with the uh, the light heavyweight champ of the world, Donny Lalonde, um, and we had some uh, tough times up there sparring. 
but uh, 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 I spar Alex Stewart, Aaron Barkley. Uh, uh, I spar all, all all the guys out in in, in Gallagher's gym out in out in Richmond Hill. Uh, but when you don't, the bottom line for me was you can't make the progress if you don't have the team. You know, it's a team, really a team sport. You don't have a, the right right trainer. Uh, I didn't have a nutritionist. That wasn't even. I, I I read books about nutrition and tried to change my diet. I got down to light heavy at one stage and lost. That's when I lost the first fight. Uh, was against Michael Pickett. I I got gotten down to one eighty or one seventy eight, uh, and uh, it was too light for me. I just you know, so starving myself and the weak and everything. But uh, I just didn't have a trainers. I didn't have a trainer. Yeah. You know? Mm. How did the Holly? How did the Evander Holyfield offer come about, and what did you have to consider before accepting? I know your father didn't want you to take the fight today, and he's you mentioned yeah. earlier on he would have put you in with anybody because just because he had such faith and confidence and yeah, ha ha, my son will fight yeah. anyone, but he didn't want you yeah. to fight Evander Holyfield. Yeah, and he actually when when I signed with with the the Baffy brothers, he was he's kind of against that too. He says he says who have they ever trained? That's the first thing he said. Who have they ever trained? Nobody, you know, uh, they had they'd been around for years and years and years, uh, but they did not try anybody. Uh, so you were saying, um, what's that you just said there about what was the question again? What, what did you have to consider? Like, how did the offer come in and, and how long did it take oh, yeah. to say yes? It's it's 19, exactly. nine, June 1990, like 10 days after you fight Evander Holyfield, yeah. just to put it in context for people listening. Like, yeah. that's Ireland's opening game at the, the World Cup yes. in 1990, yes. Ireland against England yeah. in Cagliari. Yeah. Like, so... But this is what you were facing into in Atlantic City in the convention in the convention hall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evander Holyfield has obviously been undisputed champion. At yeah. Right, he's moving up. Has Tyson lost to Douglas at this stage? Is this? Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. why I got the fight. Tyson yeah. was supposed to. Tyson was supposed to fight Holyfield. Yes. Holyfield was the number number one heavyweight in the world. Tyson was the champion. Tyson gets knocked out in Japan. Uh, it rules out Tyson. Ho- Tyson Holyfield won. Uh, they they asked me to fight Holyfield. We we said no. As I said before, we said no. Then the offer came back that uh, well, if you beat him, you make twenty five million next fight against Buster Douglas. Uh, and uh, uh, so, uh, what was I about to say? Your question, your previous question about that was um, something else you said about that. What did you say? I suppose uh, I was asking. Your father was advising you not to take it, but maybe your head is turned. I suppose by the fact that someone says. Oh, if you win, there's 25 million on the line. Uh, 25 million, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind, kind of. Uh, I, I, I tell you right now, if I had won that fight, I'd probably be dead now, <laughs> because uh, uh, I already got 100 grand for the fight. Uh, came out with about 60 after taxes. Came out about 50. Uh, I, I spent it really quickly. Uh, never had money in my life until until that time, and spent spent the money and. Um, and then uh you spent the 50 grand that you earned for fighting really, 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 very, yeah. very quickly very yeah and and uh then back in back in the in the gym uh with with Joe Ferriello, like i said and uh he overtrained me uh he uh he he uh was a great trainer except he overtrained people and and uh, i uh uh didn't have the confidence to say, I, I actually did say to Joey, he says, Joey, I'm overtrained. And then he said to me, there's no such thing as overtraining. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm supposed to argue with a guy who trained 10 world champions, 
But then I found out afterwards he ruined many guys' careers. Uh, you know, I won't even say the names, but uh, I've, they've, they've been mentioned as into you already. He ruined their careers uh, with, with his overtraining. Uh, he was he was never a fighter. He didn't he didn't know what it was like to be in tip top shape, shape, and then overdoing it, and then uh, getting sick and getting injuries and and no stamina. And and just lethargic, really, you know. Uh, so he just wasn't, uh, yeah. Just to focus on uh, Holyfield for a minute, can I, can you tell me about your recollections of the night? Is there a story that you met him in a, in the lift? You, you you used to work in the lift, and now you'd met. Did you meet Holyfield in the lift prior to the fight? Uh, no, that's some silly story that 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 uh, commentator who, who what's his name? Um, the hell is his name? I forget his name. The colonel, uh, was it, or who? No, no, not not him. No, it was. Uh, he's a pretty famous commentator. He's a lot of fights. Uh, white guy, glasses. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, but uh, he does some dopey story that I met him, and then uh, that I said, I said, "Oh, you want to come see me fight tonight?" Some stupid story. I don't know why I made it up. Just yeah. you know, the fight doctor. <laughs> your, your that fight. That's you? that's him? who it was. Bertie Pacheco. Yeah. Very Pacheco, yeah, 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 yeah. So he yeah. he made up a story for the broadcast yeah. that you met, yeah. and yeah. probably not even knowing that you'd previously in, on Fifth Avenue worked installing yeah. lifts or working on the lifts. But he said yeah. he made up a story to say that you met Holyfield yeah. in the lift and asked him for tickets yeah. or something. Was it? Was that? Yeah, no, no. Told him, oh, you, oh, I'm fighting, uh, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. I want to come see my fights. I invite him to my fights, and he's the one fighting. <laughs> you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah make yeah. it make sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Um, you did you bring much? Did you bring many people to Atlantic City for that one? Obviously, everyone knows that you're. Oh, it was sold facing out. Facing a massive was, challenge, yeah. Yeah, it was sold out. Yeah, those thousands, thousands. Yeah, yeah. It sounds almost like shades yeah. of, and there's no world title on the line. It's the WBC Continental America's heavyweight title. Yeah, bit of a, bit of a yeah. mouthful that yeah. one, but it's kind of got echoes to me. Like it sounds like Sean Mannion against mm-hmm. Mike McCallum all over again. You know, an Irish guy, popular. Big appeal in New York yeah. City with you know the, the people's champ yeah. in New York City, but you, yeah. you're in very in extremely tough against against I guess an all time great. Uh, yeah, with a camp exactly. that hasn't exactly gone too right, and they call him Rocky Rossmuck, and you know you've got quite a rocky story yourself to be di- standing there across the across the mm-hmm. ring from Evander Holyfield. I've read since that you know every like maybe reality really best that nice pro- even just before the bell rung. You kind of went, oh God, you know, what am I doing here? And afterwards, the well, the feet stung as well. So that's, it's a big moment, I guess, in your life. Yeah. Well, going back to the dressing room, I got to the dressing room and my dad from Mayo had all these Mayo banners in the dressing room, you know, like <laughs> yeah. kind of distracting. And uh, I was, I was, uh, uh, when I got to the dressing room, I saw this going on and then I saw, uh, I saw some people, you know, people going to the fights and just looking at everything. I thought, then I, I just had the, had the had the stark realization: there's nobody getting into this ring, only me. So I just yeah. took over. I I started kicking people out of the dressing room. Uh, I tried to kick out the commissioner, but they're, they're allowed to be in there. Uh, and uh, I I said, get these. I said, cursing, get these banners out of here. I, I, I don't let anybody in. I, talk, I had my friend Brian Haggerty. Uh, I standard there. I said, "Don't know anybody in this this effing gate. <laughs> I don't know nobody in here, uh, uh, and nobody's getting that ring. Only me." 
uh, and uh, my my trainer said afterwards that they were afraid of me. You know, uh, uh, they'd never seen me act like this before. But uh, I, I was doing getting in the ring, so I uh, uh, said I better start taking over. And um, uh, we did a little bit of preparation. Tommy Gallagher, who who was uh, who had asked to be help in the corner uh, with us. Uh, uh, he came up and came over to us. You know, he was he had been in the building, maybe working on some other fighters. And he said to Nick and I, he says, "What's the game plan?" Put a, put a very pertinent question. You know, question, what's yeah, the absolutely what what what's the game plan? And I looked at Nick, and he looked at me, and I thought, "Need what? There was no game plan." Oh. <laughs> I should have said, "What's what are you talking about? What's the game plan?" I don't know. You know. And uh, and then Nick said something and yeah, you know, so, but, like, Frank, uh, like yeah. Francie Barrett years later, hit him early and hit him often. So there was no real strategy to take on Hollyfield. Just nothing. Impose, impose nothing. your heart, your will, your courage. Hit him with a left hook and and try. Yeah, and yeah. Knock him out. That was my strategy. Knock him out. Knock him out. Knock out the number one heavyweight in the world. One of the greatest heavyweights of all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, were you a natural? Like, if had you had it, like you've you've mentioned numerous times, like if I'd had a trainer, it could have been different. Good, you know, good training, good strategy. Could yeah, have been different. Yeah. Did, you, did you did you learn easily? Could you have picked up the skills? I think that you know the game plan. To- totally, yeah. I I totally think I could have because when because before I overtrained with Joey, I was sparring with the likes of um, uh, uh, really Bo. Uh, not very much because he's way much bigger than me. Uh, uh, Alex Stewart, uh, Doug DeWitt, who's also middleweight, but he moved up to light heavy. Uh, I sparred all these guys, and I, would, I was doing great. I was doing great, and and uh, uh, like the, like I said before already, that Joey proclaimed you're the best cruiserweight in the world right now, and uh, I, he's right. I was, and and uh, uh, we just did too much. We just overdid it. I mean, Joey's not to blame. Uh, he just he believed that he was he was uh, um, sharing his experience. That's all, and that, that's what he was there for. He taught he taught me that I how little I knew about boxing, and uh, and then he, then he taught me how little he knew about boxing. What was it? Um, reality bites. You, you get into the ring, and even before I think you fight, the bell goes against Hollyfield. You know, you realize that this is really quite a serious situation, and maybe yeah, you haven't yeah. got the necessary seasoning to be there. You, yeah. You've got the talent and the heart, yeah. But just everything else hasn't fallen into place. And then when the when the fight starts, you yeah. kind of get um, kind of get rugby tackled. I know Italian ninety was on that month, but you're kind of rugby tackled to the ground very quickly, yeah. like in a wrestling move or whatever. He's imposing his strength yeah. um on you quite quickly. He puts you down, I think, twice in the. Uh, am I right to say four times in the first round, twice illegally, twice? No, no well, actually, twice none of those and, and trips or something. None of them were real punches. I was actually, I was actually uh, off balance going down one time. Then he hit me on the way, and I was hit going down already. Maybe one might have been, but it was nothing that like I was off balance. Mm. I was so. Uh, uh, just hyped up and nervous and going after him and just like rushing in and and uh, that I was so nervous that uh, that I was just off balance. He would hit me, hit me, hit me twice. You know that that happened. That uh, it was a real knockdown in the fourth round. The, four, the first round was not doing nothing. You know, yeah. uh, and, and a real knockdown in the fourth round it was a great left hook. 
it, even though it didn't stun me or anything, I just remember thinking like, that's, you know, I'm on the ground. I'm, if I stay here, it'll all be over. So I jumped up and um, it's fine. I could have fought on, I thought, uh, but the referee stopped us. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, I, I, uh, uh, I'd rather be in my situation now than being Evander's. You know, I see him, I, I hear him and I see him and they got a lot of fights and, he won the title a couple of times afterwards. Uh, I, I, you know, as I said, if I, if I think if I had won the fight and made all that money, I'd be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he won totally. millions and lost millions more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Did the pain yeah. of defeat though sting? A defeat on such a kind of high, you know. Uh, you know what? Such a widespread show. Uh, you know, a yeah. world billing. Did it? It, it, it actually didn't. It didn't. I mean, like it, it was. It was a big deal uh, to get in the ring with with the with Holyfield and fight him. And, and uh, uh, I mean, I didn't quit. You know what I mean? Uh, if you look at if you look at uh, uh, the first fight with uh, Holyfield and Tyson, it's questionable whether Tyson quit. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, he, he was crawling around looking for his mouthpiece on the ground and all that stuff. But uh, but uh, I didn't quit. I was on my feet when he, you know, when it was all over, you know, and I was ready to fight on. I wasn't even hurt. And um, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, it. Um, what because do I regret? It- yeah, regret about it all. I just I regret that I uh, didn't just calm down a bit. Mm. I was just so bloody nervous, uh, uh, which was just just shows a lack of experience. Uh, and as I said, uh, as I keep saying, lack of lack of uh, competent trainers, and um, yeah, it was just uh, it was a life experience that uh, you know. I even recently, I was thinking if I just because because I, I I you know I mean I fought for twenty years you know or like at least uh, not really like seventeen sixteen seventeen years, and I could have gone the distance. If I didn't try to knock him out, I could have I could have gone the distance with the guy. But if I didn't try to knock him out, mm. I could have you know if you, you just, there's ways to fight where you we don't get his. You're not going to get his. You're not going to not going to leave yourself open to get his. And it'd be a boring fight, and they probably boo us out of the arena. But that's that's what I could have done. But you know, I chose to. I didn't even choose. I just felt driven. To, to knock them out. Yeah, it's called, was, it's, it's, I suppose it's called, it's admirably called, and it's why people love action boxers, but it's called leaving it all in the ring, isn't it? That's the definition yeah. of leaving it all in the ring. I'm going to go for the yeah. knockout. And yeah, I hear fighters say this all the time. I don't yeah. care if I get knocked out in the first or second or third round, whatever it is, I'm going to go yeah. over there and I'm going to try and knock his head off. I'm going to try and win. And if yeah. I get, if I have to be pulled out of there on a, and it's back to kind of loose talk, dangerous stuff. We don't really want to entertain such you know, yeah. dangerous talk, but we know it's a very dangerous sport. But we hear boxers yeah. say all the time, if I have to get carried out of there on a stretcher, yeah. I'm going in yeah. there to win. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. back down. I'm not going to quit. And I'm not yeah. going to play it safe and stuff. And I guess yeah. that's, that's exactly yeah. what you did. So there's no, nothing to regret. Yeah. Um, which, which is, which is, which is a, an ignorant approach I had, uh, because I didn't have the experience. If I had just, um, uh, that that's what a person in desperation does. They try and knock the guy out. Uh, knockouts come when you're all calm and you and you're just uh, going through the drills and you catch the guy with a left hook or a right cross, whatever you catch him with, and it's and and uh, and you're smoothly just throwing your combinations 
and uh, and doing the right moves, and then he gets gets knocked out. And uh, yeah. uh, but Experience. just going out, yeah, exactly. You need to have exactly. seen it all before and go. Oh, there's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah, keep, keep it yeah, easy. Yeah, keep yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm looking here at a, a list of George Foreman's ten greatest heavyweights of all time, and, and most of these lists they chop and change, and some of the names um, yeah come in and yeah. out, but. He has Holyfield in, at number nine in that list. He starts off Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, John L. Sullivan, Jack Johnson, Muhammad Ali, Floyd Patterson, Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, and Jack Dempsey. Mm. Probably some people are performing in that top 10 list and maybe they might sub out a Tyson yeah. or a Dempsey or whoever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But of, of that list, uh, I, I mean, I know your fellow Kilshamama and uh, Gene Tunney fought uh, Jack Dempsey, but I don't think... There's many Irish opponents for anyone in that top 10, really. Joe Lewis. I know John L. Sullivan, like Tony, his, his parents came from here. You know, he moves over. I don't think an Irish yeah. guy fought Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, Jack Johnson, Ali, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Floyd Patterson, Lennox Lewis, Mike yeah. Tyson, or Jack Dempsey. So you're looking at the, you're the only guy from Ireland yeah. who fought, you know, yeah, in that in that class, yeah. except Kevin McBride, he fought. He, he, ah, uh, he damn, might. I knew forget someone. <laughs> forget someone, and he beat him. It was actually the second podcast we did. Uh, we, we yeah, we Kevin. Yeah, did Kevin tell you that uh, when he fought um, the Polish guy? Uh, what's the what was his name uh, in Madison Square Garden? What's his? Name? Uh, does it? It'll come. It'll come. I, I see his face, but I can't think of his name. Yeah, I helped. I helped Kevin. Kevin called me two days before the fight. I was in California, and he says, "Can you come help me with the fight?" I was like, "I says, Kevin, you're fighting in two days." <laughs> he says, "Okay." Galata, so Galata, Galata. Yes, oh. Andrew Galata. Uh, so uh, I, I I flew in and helped Ke- uh, Kevin, and he almost had him out in the first round. It was like a just like a whisker away for having him out completely out on his feet. It's like, ah, and then he, he just got whatever they they hugged or not hugged, but they just uh, uh, grabbed each other and and uh, and then uh, uh, Galato threw this overhand swinging wild right and it slit Kevin's cheek and the, it's, the cut was so bad they stopped the fight and uh, otherwise Kevin would have had a, another crack at the title. Yeah, or uh, yeah, he didn't. Yeah. Did he get a crack at the at the world heavyweight title in the end? I don't think Kevin did either. Did he? Like it's just. I don't think so. He yeah, came so close. Yeah. He obviously finished off Mike Tyson's career. Yeah, and it yeah. does go a lot of fights. Yeah, and and he, he yeah. came so close to making massive oh, yeah. money as well, didn't he? Like it's yeah. just yeah, yeah, yeah. That's heavyweight boxing, isn't it? It's such sliding <laughs> it is, yeah. stuff. Like, but, yeah, but like you yeah. say, maybe for the better. Like Kevin's had, you know, he, he's had his own problems, hasn't he, with alcohol and stuff. So to yeah, yeah, you know, to throw twenty million dollars in the bank. Can be oh yeah recipe yeah. disaster um, yeah yeah I th- yeah I think because you you say you didn't take the pain of uh, defeat too uh, too badly against Hollyfield I think maybe mm. you're commenting more on the sense of maybe this is um, just more in the sense of defeat in life or in boxing as well but I think there was a quote from you that said uh, I think it was picked out by um, Thomas Hauser in one of his articles and he said it was it was one of his quotes of the year and he said talking about defeat he said your whole sense of self-worth can be smashed. It's just quite, quite tough, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, box, like, like I've said before, box, I said this in, in the Golden Girls, boxing isn't everything in life. It's it, it's a sport. It's a business. Uh, it becomes an obsession. 
but uh, what's life really about is about well, really, everyone's purpose in life, really, what they're trying to do is to feel good. That's why we, you know, that's why we uh, eat, sleep, sex, uh, work out, uh, hobbies is to feel good. And and uh, and and boxing is a sport. You know, it's supposed to be a sport. You know, it's probably going to be banned uh, uh, eventually uh, when when all the when all all the money's gone and uh, and people have have more. Uh, uh, well, you have more sense or more. Uh, uh, I think it's going to be banned eventually as well. I've said it before on different podcasts, but I don't think the world is getting more sensible. And it's getting yeah. it's becoming a bit darker, isn't it? So. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind yeah. of, I'm definitely torn on it. Either boxing is going yeah. to be bigger than ever, or it'll be banned yeah. for life. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've I've moved on from there, uh, and uh, what I'm doing now is I'm an actor, and uh, I've been to film school, and uh, I, I went to Berkeley Digital Film Institute, run by Patrick Krewinek, and uh, I've have uh, uh, I got and about about let me see about five or seven years ago I got cast in a movie with a very uh the son of a very famous uh director uh the actor's name is uh um Sawyer Spielberg and uh we got cast in, in a movie together out in in Long Island out in Long Island and uh so we went out there for a big meeting and the fundraiser and all going on and me he and I gelled right away got along right away we do we do the same meditation which is transcendental meditation and uh, and we shared off experience, a lot of laughs, and for some reason, like we, we I, I was his trainer, and we were sort of hanging out, and we we're just talking and uh, rehearsing and going on, and then I get a call from the uh, producer saying, "We've changed our mind, Seamus. You're going to have to audition for your part." And I was like, "You get this huge opportunity to be the, you know, be uh, uh, in this movie, movie, and and I'm they they, they take my part away." So I, I that's basically like saying, get out of you're not you're not in this. You got to audition for your part. Uh, so I just uh, shut down, didn't talk to anyone for two days. Sora kept calling me and he said, what, what, where are you? Did anything happen to you? So then, like after two days, I called him back and I says, uh, yeah, I says uh, yeah, they they uh, they fired me. He says, what is how they fire you? He said they sent me an email saying that I have to audition for my part. He said, can you send me the email? So I sent him the email and the next day. Now he didn't. He he doesn't deny this, but he next day he he walked with me. He left the movie and went, left with me because they because they weren't going to have me on a, on with him. And we've been great friends ever since. And he has a new movie coming out called um, Very Merry Good. It's a Christmas movie, and uh, uh, it's about forgiveness. It's a really really funny movie. Him and his wife. His wife is is the star. But that's what I love to do now. I love to act. I love to I love to write movies, act, uh, getting into directing also. And uh, I've moved on, uh, yeah. uh, and I've used all the all the experiences in boxing and the experiences in on the horse and carriages and the experiences uh, of 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 dealing with alcoholism. Uh, and uh, I uh, just to you know to. You know, be be an asset to the world, or that's some some liability, like like a lot of uh, situations for for people. You know, and uh, that, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry, you, you didn't mean to interrupt. Okay, you. what I was going to uh, 
the thing that that's really um I really really want to do and this is so close to my heart is there's a phenom- a phenomenon called PAS professional athlete syndrome when the career is over the, especially in boxing uh, maybe like some kind of soccer uh, different sports wrestling all these kinds of sports it happens to CEOs happens to milkmen uh, post office workers when you're when your job is over, you know that within seven years of retirement, 40% of the people are dead. When you lose your purpose in life or your love in life or your something you've, you're used to doing or, or the familiarity or the camaraderie with people, when you lose that, that, that's gone. You're lost. It's like all, all the, all the uh, American football players and all the, uh, you know, they just, they're just killing people or getting killed or or getting into crime, into drugs. Mm. People don't know how to replace the high. In latter years as well, though, hasn't some of that been linked to like the growing problem of CTE? Where you see an old fighter going off the rails or an old American football player, it used to be kind of going, ah, they're, they're struggling after yeah, they're totally. struggling after their sport. But a lot of the time it can be, you know, an undiagnosed brain condition, can't it as well? Complete, com- totally, totally. And emotionally also with, with, uh, with uh, professional athlete syndrome. Uh, the, the loss of of your purpose in life and your notoriety and your fame and nobody has the has the has the rule book for fame. How do, how do you deal with it? I have many friends in Ireland that I deal with and are great friends of mine that are 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 trying to walk that tightrope of fame. It's so difficult. How do you do it? You know, uh, yeah. Did did you hope that uh, acting would lead to like enhanced fame, or is it more like a vocational? I know the the story of two bobbies has been instrumental in your acting career. You started off in acting and getting a play in the in the getting a part in the play Bobby Sands MP, and and then you 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 played the uh, the 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 boxer Irish Irish Bobby Cassidy. Bobby Cassidy, yeah, 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 totally, yeah, yeah. Acting has. Has not replaced boxing, but it has um, somewhat replaced boxing and given me a, a, a purpose. Something, something uh, to it, feel nervous about when you stand up in front of a crowd. Exactly, exactly. I was, I was, I was on the stage two, two days ago uh, introducing my, my friend Sawyer's movie uh, out, in, out in Long Island. Uh, which felt always feels, it kind of feels good. It's become nat- natural to, to me. Uh, after a long, long time of not being very unnatural or whatever the word is. And uh, I like it. I like, uh, I like uh, the, perf- the performance stuff. I like, I like it. In that, in that, uh, the play about Bobby Cassidy, like you, you were there alongside John Duddy as well. And there was a great cast. Yeah. Was it Michael Bent was directing it and was Breland actually in it as well. Who you shared a uh, professional Mark, boxing bills. Yeah. Mark Breland. Mark Breland. Played the, the uh, trainer Jimmy Glenn, who used to run Times Square Boxing on Forty Second Street near Times Square, and he, he played Jimmy Glenn, who passed away a couple of years ago. He and, died in uh, the early days of COVID, and this is probably yeah. the, boo- the boozer in me, but would have mentioned that Jimmy Glenn was the proprietor of the greatest boxing bar in the world. Really, Jimmy's Corner. At Jimmy's Square. Corner, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Times Square, yeah, totally, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. His his uh, son Adam is actually uh, the manager now of Joe Ward in Ireland. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah, I, I, he, one of your successors yeah. as a light heavyweight champion here. Yeah, for sure. 
he he uh, he uh, his son uh, has worked the corner of my of my nephew John McDonough, who I'm in their house right now uh, in, in in Queens. Yeah, tell us tell us about tell us about your nephew. So he's he continuing won- in the family business. He he exactly. Uh, he my my his first trainer was my dad, who is now eighty nine. Uh, so he started training him, and uh, two years ago he won the Golden Gloves that I won uh, in 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 Madison Square Garden, and uh, he had one he's had one professional fight out in New Jersey uh, last year, and uh, he's he's training on and off. He you know he. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, we didn't want him to turn pro, but he did, and you can't stop him. So yeah, he's. He, yeah, is he going go to is he going to make a go of it? Is he going to continue to like if he's had a quiet year, or is he? I'm not sure. I'm not sure now. He he, you know, he he's uh, he's got a little business. He 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 uh, he like my 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 uh, I call him my brother-in-law, but he's actually married to my niece, <laughs> Dara. Uh, he has he has a business uh, MGM and and uh, he does building supplies and uh, my brother Matthew has a construction business also my brother and my nephew John has a construction business my brother Matthew runs Tower Contracting they work a lot on Trump Tower and the high end high end renovations and, and uh, which I'll probably get into because uh, I'm uh, just moved from the West Coast to the East Coast because my son is here and I want to be in his life. Uh, Soren, he's a two and a half. <laughs> I saw him last night, and uh, he's two and a half years old. Two and a half years old, yeah. Ah, yeah. congrats! I have a two and a half year old as well. They're a handful. They're a handful. Do yeah, yeah, great, yeah. Lovely. lovely. What's his name? Uh, she's called Rose. So yeah, Rose, lovely. Yeah. lovely. My mother's name was Rosaline. Rosaline, lovely. She's yeah. from she's from Fiogs in uh, Giva uh, near Ballyfarnan. In uh, actually, they're in over the border in, in Sligo. And uh, her father, John McManus, was a uh, uh, as I was telling you uh, yesterday or wherever we spoke before, he was uh, um, friends with Yates. Uh, used to be over the house. Yeah, yeah. That's not the the last time Yates was dropped in a in a podcast was was when we had Eamon Carr on. So it's not that long ago. So we're dropping <laughs> names all over. I actually want to talk all a few of- names to you before we go. Like um. Yeah, I know. Like some of the lads who used to go to your fights, like Matt Dillon would be at all your would be at a lot of your fights, um, yeah. and you know Mickey War Mickey Rourke quite well as well. I talk to Matt Dillon every every once in a while. We used to hang out. Uh, used to do a bit of drinking. <laughs> uh, Matt uh, lived in the city, and now he lives in Italy. Um, and Matt, Mickey Rourke, Mickey's a great guy. He's uh, he's uh, you know he's doing his boxing stuff. <laughs> he's over in in Hollywood. Uh, but uh, one of my great friends is is uh, uh, um, Freddie Roach. Great, great guy. Great guy, Freddie. Just a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, we spoke about Evander Holyfield. There was talk a few years ago of, of maybe having a rematch, and you you went back training and you entertained the notion. But are you glad in hindsight yeah. that maybe it didn't happen? Probably, yeah. So, so it did happen. I actually uh, then they wanted me to fight Keith Holmes, who retired. This is two years ago, a year and a half ago. They wanted me to fight Keith Holmes, who was a middleweight, a bit lighter than me, but uh, used to fight light, light, heavy, light heavyweight also. And Keith Holmes retired two years ago, and I retired twenty five years ago. I was like, "Can we get someone? Who, <laughs> can we get someone who retired like not you know like forty years ago or something?" <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think they tried to they tried to bring poor old Kevin Kevin McBride out of uh, retirement as well, and it was yeah, there was yeah. that passion for getting retired fighters out of um, yeah, getting retired fighters back in the ring, and it seems to have turned out to just celebrities and uh, YouTubers and yeah. stuff like that. So maybe it's uh, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. know which is the safer option. Maybe none, maybe none. But do you still yeah. do you follow the sport closely these days, Seamus? Or you said at the beginning you're not the boxing's biggest fan, but um. Uh, not closely. I, you know, I, uh, I, if I'm in, if I'm in New York and there's fights going on, I'll, I'll be, I'll go, I'll go to the, uh, like New Arena in Brooklyn, or I'll go to the Garden to see somebody and fight or wherever, you know, just to meet some old friends and stuff. But um, I'm not a huge boxing fan. Not a huge boxing fan. Would you have gone to like uh, John Doty's fights and Andy Lee's fights in New York in the last, you know, when they fought oh, yeah. in the last decade or two? Yeah, I, I saw Andy's last fight in the Garden. And I saw, uh, I didn't see John's last fight. I think it was down in, in Mexico, the last fight. Not in Mexico. Yeah, Chavez, in... Chavez Jr., yeah, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They, gave, they gave him the run around there. But yeah, yeah, I didn't see that fight. I wasn't down there for that fight. But uh, yeah, I see John around. I saw John two nights ago. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, look, Seamus, I think we're we're, uh, we're coming to the end. We've discussed so many things there. Um do you want, are you still are you still working in the shoe shine business? Do you want to give that a plug, or are you, or is that? A... Uh, I do. I'm actually um, possibly uh, starting a business over here. I I, I turned it into a marketing business. Yes. So uh, yeah, in, in the uh, at these big trade shows, people are selling products, and what we do is we put shoe shine chairs in the booth, and we refine their pitch down to eight to ten seconds, and prospect everybody walking by. If they qualify for the product, if they want the product, we buy them for a free shoe shine. So everybody sitting in the chairs of pre-qualified sale, and we make companies so much money, and uh, and uh, that's that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. Marketing. And that was and that began began as like a, a more modest business. Was it? Did you, were you just shining shoes as a way? Yeah, when money while you're boxing. Yeah, yeah. When I actually not more as boxing. Yeah, uh, when I went out to California, I. Uh, um, just wasn't working and some 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 lad in the building where i was working said what are you doing said, nothing looking for a job actually he says hey come shine shoes with me he said no i don't know this is for another he says I, I have a shoe shine business I says, oh that's great he says he says you want a job i says yeah he says, i said what would i be doing and he said he says shining shoes <laughs> so, so i went down there uh, it was downtown san francisco and i started doing this and I loved it right from the beginning. Then I got my own a couple of businesses around town, and we do a lot of job jobs in Vegas and and uh, New York, all over the place. Uh, in, it's, it's a marketing company now, and the and the website is theshoeshine.com. Pretty simple, theshoeshine.com. Yeah. Well, it sounds good. Um, yeah. Look, Seamus, it's been a delight to have you on. Um, I've wanted yeah. to get you on the show for years, you know, and uh, so yeah. I'm delighted we finally did it. Uh, it's been, been brilliant hearing the stories. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. We hope you enjoyed part two with the great Seamus McDonough. Since recording the show, we've kept in touch and Seamus was keen to let the listeners know that he wasn't entirely let down by coaches throughout his career. While he feels there was something lacking in the corner as he entered his prime fighting years, he was, after all, a boxing lifer and came across so many who helped him during his time as a competitor. So, to read out his last note, Seamus says, I'd be so remiss if I did not state that my dad, Jim McDonough, was one of the best trainers I ever had. Having learned the boxing game from Randolph Turpin's trainer, Arthur Batty, who he trained with. Also wish I'd mentioned Ned Gillespie, 
Josie Davey, Jimmy Gurry, all, all RIP, Dads of Fellow Boxers, and Boxers, Ben, Mark, and Connell Gillespie, Jerry and Charlie Flattery, both RIP, and Jerry Mitchell, and Martin and Liam Brereton, and trainer Tom Hanley, and Willie Quinn. Now from me to New York, you've got the Kelly Brothers, Christy and Frank, to Neil Ferrara. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast. Join us again next week, and uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.